0: to the Joe Bean Show on Marriage Radio. Glad to have you with us tonight. This is the 16th of February, 2016. Tonight, our general topic is how to get your spouse to keep falling in love with you. And we can actually tell you some principles that actually make that work. We call it the love path. As a matter of fact, uh, one of my books that I wrote is called The Art of Falling in Love. And he gives the, as gives the love path, explains it in detail. Our special guest here in the studio with us tonight is the executive director of Marriage Helper, Kimberly Holmes. Good evening, Kimberly.
1: Good evening. Well, good evening. There oh, we are.
0: Yeah, no, And then we have your microphone turned up. Okay. Kimberly and I are going to talk about this. We'd we'll be glad to take your calls as we go through the program. Our telephone number is 646-378-0424. That's 646 646- three, seven, eight, zero, four, two, four. If you would like to call or that is if you'd like to talk to us when you call, because some people call and just listen on their phones, which is fine. Others are listening, of course, on the internet. But if you want to speak to us when you call in, then when you hear that little menu, you press the number one, and that will let us know that you wish to speak to us and we'll actually put you on the air and talk to you. It can be a question that you have. It can be a comment that you want to make. It can be any participation that you'd like to have. And again, the telephone number is 646-378-0424. That's 646-378-0424. So, Kimberly, why don't we introduce the first phase of what's called the Love Path?
1: Well, I have a comment I want to make. That's fine. (laughs) So, one of the new things we're doing, and I don't know if you've mentioned it yet on the show, but actually, if you go into our podcast on iTunes, you search it, it's called Marriage Radio. It's a podcast on iTunes. So if you miss a show, you can always hear it later as a podcast. And it's actually rated pretty highly in iTunes, which is awesome for our category. But one of the things we're doing is if you go in and leave a review of our podcast and subscribe to our podcast, then once a month, we're going to draw one of those people who left a review, and they're going to get a free Save My Marriage course.
0: Wow, that's uh, quite a value there.
1: It is a $399 value. So. Go in, if, you, if you're if you interested in the Save My Marriage course, we're going to choose one every single month. Go in, leave a review in iTunes. Um, let us know that you did it by emailing askjoe at com. And we're, I mean, we'll see it anyway, but we want to have a way to get in touch with you again after we choose the winner. And we'll be doing that on a monthly basis. So we would love to have you do that. And I just want to point out right before this show at eight o'clock, Uh, One of the things that we encourage people to do in the Save My Marriage course is to join a small group. And we only put people in small groups. We don't facilitate the small groups. But having that support network is something we strongly emphasize. And one of the leaders of one of the small groups asked me to join in on their small group tonight. They've been meeting since August of last year. It was amazing. They were just encouraging each other. They meet every single Tuesday night at eight o'clock before the radio show. And I was just.
2: made of course it. by
0: what telephone or by, internet? Uh, or?
1: video conferencing. So all of them see each other, all of them talk to each other and they've followed each other through the journey of getting their spouses to come back and to save their marriage and amazing things are happening. And that that's a, another perk of being in the save my marriage course. So it was really cool to see that tonight.
0: Okay. So if someone goes to iTunes and leaves a review of this, of this podcast, they send you an email at askjoe at marriage.com. What do they put in the email?
1: Hey, here is what I reviewed on iTunes. Here's the user. Mainly the thing we want to know is here's the username I used to review. So we can go back in, verify that you did it, and put you into the drawing on a monthly basis.
0: Okay, excellent. Now, we're talking about falling in love, the art of falling in love, and particularly the first phase or step of that... We will be taking calls, and but Emily, why don't you go ahead and explain the first step, which is called attraction, the thing that pulls people to you, and we're going to explain as we go along, that this step is not just something you do, and once you get past it, you forget about it, it's actually something you do for the rest of your life.
1: The first phase of the love path is attraction, and the way that you hear us talking about it a lot of the time is by calling it the pies, P-I-E-S. A lot of times, people say, What are these pies that people keep talking about? They're very confused as to what we mean. Um, But the pies are three, four types of attraction. And it's physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual attraction. There's actually four areas of it. And so when we're telling people about the love path in the first phase about attraction, it's easy for people. It's easier for people to grasp and to handle and to bite off when we say, okay, there's four areas. All you have to do is focus on one area at a time in order to become the most attractive that you can be in that area. So, Joe, how can people get more attractive in each of those areas?
0: Okay, let's explain what the PIES are, P-I-E-S. The P stands for physical attraction. That. You actually attract other people because of your physical appearance. I is intellectual attraction. What that means is that the other person thinks and feels that he or she can actually talk to you, that you can understand each other. The E is emotional attraction, and that has to do with the fact that you do things that evoke emotions in the other person that he or she enjoys feeling. So, for example, you may make the other person laugh. That makes you more attractive. You can help the other person feel safe by the things you do or say. That makes you more attractive. You can make them feel special or handsome or pretty. Anything that you do, either in your words, your body language, the activities, your life, anything you do that leads the other person to feel really good, positive emotions, makes you more attractive and spiritual. in this particular sense is not religion. It has to do with beliefs and values. In other words, if a person perceives you as having beliefs and values that are similar to their own, they find you attractive. Or if in their perception they see you as having beliefs and values superior to their own, they're attracted to you. Now, let me explain very quickly about the beliefs and values to make sure we're communicating here. Beliefs are those things that you hold to be true. Values, then, are how you expect people to behave based on what you believe to be true. And those beliefs and values affect basically your morality. So physical attraction, how you look, intellectual, whether you can actually communicate with each other, emotional, what do you do that evokes emotions the other person enjoys feeling, and spiritual, your belief in value system. Now that's the pies that we often talk about. Another way to say it would be body, mind, heart, and soul. And if you're thinking, well, why didn't you say that to begin with? Well, because the acronym doesn't spell anything. So we go with PIS, P-I-S, physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. So, Kimberly, you have been aware of some of the research done around the world as to what attracts one person to another physically. Explain some about that.
1: Men and women tend to be attracted to different things in each other. So with women, men tend, when men are looking at women, finding who they believe to be more attractive um men are more drawn to things like and remember all of this is physical just to start with so men are more attracted to things like uh that that show health and fertility so a great smile because if their teeth are really straight and white then that can ind- indicate good health or you know healthy hair that's long or shiny lustrous uh also shows that the person is healthy um trying to think. The the other thing, the waist to hip ratio is probably one of the ones that's more known about. 70% waist to hip ratio, which is also a good indication of, or the best ratio for childbirth, childbearing hips.
0: So that means that the waist is 70 to 80% the size of the hips. And in some cultures, the hips are wider. Some cultures, the hips are more narrow, but the same proportion facilitates childbirth.
1: In more recent research that I've read, Actually, men are more attracted to women who wear less makeup, which I loved hearing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it will be interesting to know all the reasons for that. But part of it is the fact, at least part of it, is the fact that uh, you can actually see the skin. And skin that is vibrant and healthy also makes a person more attractive. Understand what Kimberly said. I'm going to reemphasize this, that men tend to be drawn to women for signs of health and fertility. Whether we realize it or not, it's the part of our brain that's looking to reproduce. And we might not have that conscious in our mind at all, but it's happening on a subconscious level. So that, hmm, here's a person that actually looks healthy and vibrant and could bear children. Now, we also see things, for example, such as facial features. We know that people who have symmetrical faces are viewed to be more attractive. What I mean by that is if we took a picture of your face and then photoshopped and flipped one half over to the other, you would look different than you do. No matter which half we flipped over to the other, if you matched perfectly the sides, you look differently. And so the more symmetrical a person's face is, the more attractive they tend to be. But that's something that you might not be able to do anything about.
1: I was just about to say, some of these things we're talking about, you might not be able to do anything about. Like if you can't afford to get braces and your teeth aren't straight or... If you're, you know, if your body isn't built to where your hips are 80 to 70% of the side or the other way around, um, your waist to your hips, different things like that.
0: But there are things you, you can still do. There are, for example, if you can keep yourself in a healthy weight range, you can keep yourself clean so that the other person uh, doesn't have any offensiveness of what they see you. So even if you're not the proverbial 10 physically speaking, We're going to be talking all four of these things. So think about it this way. If you could have a score of up to 10 on physical, up to 10 on intellectual, up to 10 on emotional and up to 10 on spiritual, then a total score of 40 is possible in the scale that we're talking about now. And so let's say that physically, you're not the physical 10, but you're the physical five. Well, if you have the other things up at the top, like almost a 10 and a 10 and a 10 on the other three, that's still a score of 35. Whereas one person who might be physically a 10, but very low on the others, In the long run, you actually are more attractive than that other person is. So when we talk about this physical attribute, we're saying take care of your body as best you can, which means you know doing whatever you can not to be obese or overweight. Now I realize some people have problems there that um, are not that simple, but if you can keep yourself physically fit and keep yourself clean and take care of your hair and your teeth and so forth, and anybody can do that. But Kimberly, as we know, Sometimes we find a person physically attracted that we don't find attractive in any other way.
1: That's true. But before we get to that, uh, we haven't talked about what women are attracted to in men. I'm so sorry. I, yes. <laughs> so, uh, but before we move on, basically going back to what Joe was saying, the while there's some things about your physical appearance, appearance that you can't control, the way that you present yourself, the way you dress, the way you carry yourself, the all of those things are things you can control no matter really how you look, but it's still a part of your physical appearance. It's just the part of it you can control. Now, what are women in men?
0: Physically speaking.
1: Physically speaking.
0: They're attracted to, generally speaking now, and of course, we, this may not apply to every person on the planet. We're talking about what the research shows in general. People tend to be, uh, women tend to be attracted to men for signs of dominance. Not domination. Domination is like control and that kind of thing. And people do not want to be controlled or dominated. Dominance has to do with things like he shows his strength. It can be shown in the way he walks, believe it or not. When he walks confidently, head held high, back straight. And it also can be part of physical attributes of which you have no control, such as how tall you are Mm -hmm. or how broad your shoulders are, those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. So physical attraction is important, but physical attraction is most important to people looking for short-term relationships not as important for people looking long-term now it's still important so to misunderstand don't think well we've been married 20 years therefore physical appearance is no longer important it is important till the day you die now obviously it will change as you get older as your situations in life change but physical attraction is important until the day you die okay so If a person is physically attractive or not, we still got three others. So the I stands for intellectual attraction, which is?
1: I call it being a fascinating person. I think the more multidimensional that a person is, the more things that they can talk about, the more subjects they can engage in, the more intellectually attractive they are. Because you can carry on a conversation with them and they're fascinating.
0: And so you just keep developing your mind. Mm Mm-hmm. You continue to learn, not just to impress people with what you know, but mm-hmm. so that you could actually communicate. And people will, the people who will be more attracted to you are people who feel they really can understand what you're talking about and you understand them. In other words, we're communicating more on a peer to peer basis. People tend not to be attracted to those that they think look down on them, mm. being snobbish because of what they know. And they tend not to be attracted to people that they feel have not developed them themselves. And so, if this is a level where I communicate and you have never learned how to do that, in other words, you, you dropped out of school and you didn't go ahead and keep learning after that so that we don't have a whole lot in common to talk about, then I typically will not find you attractive either. So, the emotional attraction.
1: Feeling safe and secure and like you have a friendship with the person
0: and so whatever you do that evokes emotions within him or her that he or she enjoys feeling now it's interesting because we work with a lot of marriages that are in trouble that nearly every marriage and couple is uh, in trouble as a matter of fact i could guess and say 100 percent, but i won't say that i'll just say nearly every couple that's in marital crisis have reached the stage where that at least one if not both rather than doing things that evoke emotions in the other person that he or she enjoys feeling are actually doing things, saying words, tone of voice, body language, etc., that are evoking emotions within that person that he or she doesn't enjoy feeling. For example, we know that if you look at all the research about why people divorce, you can pretty well summarize it into people typically want to divorce for one or more of these three reasons. I don't feel like you love me. I don't feel like you like me. I don't feel like you respect me. And so emotional attraction is when you feel respected by the other person, when you feel liked by the other person, when you feel um, accepted by the other person. And again, this stays important until the day you die. And then, of course, the spiritual, the beliefs and values.
1: Absolutely. So if the person holds the beliefs and values that you do, because if they don't, that's probably going to cause a lot of issues in the future.
0: Yeah, now this one does have an exception. If somebody's rebelling, if somebody's acting out, then they tend to be attracted toward people they perceive as having a lower belief in value system than their own. That's why sometimes you see people who are fine, upstanding church goers, well known in the community, uh, wind up doing something that's just totally unexpected, like being involved with somebody. Well, the example, if you're old enough to remember, several years ago, the great televangelist, Jimmy Swaggart, who had this massive television ministry, was caught with street walking prostitutes, which was kind of the lowest level of prostitutes. And what was he doing? Well, he was acting out. He was being attracted to people he perceived as having a lower belief and value system than his own. And we see that kind of thing sometimes in the people we work with now, that I'm attracted to somebody that nobody else would think I'd want anything to do with because our beliefs and values are so different. But generally speaking, people are attracted to those they believe are very moral, have strong beliefs and values, etc. either equal to their own or superior to their own. So, Kimberly, that's the pies in a nutshell. We've laid that out. We have some callers waiting on us. What would you like to say about this before we go to the callers?
1: A couple of things that I was thinking about today when I was thinking about this subject, and I think that even going back in terms of talking about the differences in the spiritual beliefs, and sometimes that can be more attractive, I think overall, especially once you are married and you are in that relationship for the rest of your life, that's what you've committed to, Sometimes when you see someone that's very different than your spouse, it can catch you off guard and you can be it can be attractive to you like, oh, that's new and different. So I think one of the ways to stay attractive to your spouse and to keep your spouse falling in love with you is to start doing different things sometimes. Take up new hobbies, like we said, intellectually or, you know, learn new subjects to be able to talk about But don't get stuck in the rut of, well, I'm married now so things are comfortable and we're just going to keep on with life the way it is because that gets boring. And when things get boring, people are likely to fall into susceptibility and temptations and that's what you want to stave off from happening. So stay interesting. (laughs) Do things differently. Uh, There's a ton of things that I wrote down, but I know we're not going to get into all of that right now. But, I mean, one of the things that just kept coming over My over my mind, I was thinking is don't get stuck in a rut. Do different things. Go on a vacation. Go do something together that you normally don't do, or go do something by yourself you normally don't do. Just to stay interesting and to keep things lively.
0: Okay, that's good. All of that works. Now remember that these have a neutral. I'm, I'm sorry, a positive, a neutral, and a negative. What I mean by that is that. Uh, They can go from, like, for example, you did things that evoke positive emotions over time can become neutral, that you don't really evoke any emotions one way or the other. And over time can become negative, that the things you do evoke emotions the other person doesn't want to feel. Physically, you can go from being attractive to the other person to neutral, and you actually can become physically unattractive to the other person over time, particularly if you don't take care of your body. So you always want to stay on the positive and each of these is important as long as you live. And so if you want to keep your spouse falling in love with you, you always take care of your body. You always continue to grow and develop your mind. You always concentrate on what are the things I do that evoke emotions within him or her that they enjoy feeling. And how do I make sure that my mores, my morals, my beliefs and values stay strong and are increasing. Now, if you do that, you can keep your spouse falling in love with you over a lifetime. Now we're going to go to our first call, area code 248. Hello, area code 248. You're on the Joe Beam Show.
3: Um, hello?
0: Yes. Can you give us a first name to call you, please?
3: This is Catherine.
0: And how can we help you tonight?
3: I'm um, so Thank you for taking my call and listening and hearing what you're saying about attraction and... um you know, the pies and all of those categories that cause attraction and bring attraction. I guess I'm curious to know about what your... um, So, you know, my husband and I have been married for 27 years, and amongst all those years, we've had places in our marriage where we are more attracted to each other than others. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've had these, you know, places and times for months at a time where we just seem to fall deeper emotional and closer place but you know we're we've also grown old and married and not in the best physical shape for each other and not um and that and that's always been okay for both of us like we still have always been you know really successful in the bedroom and not needing each other to be in the best physical condition we're very sexually attracted to each other so I guess I would like to hear what your what your thoughts are on that and how does that happen because you're talking about the beginning phases. So what happens because we've experienced it throughout our marriage at different places, those heights that occur in our marriage too. So what's, that, what's the difference between that and the beginning phases and, and then the, the heights that we have experienced?
0: Okay. Let me, let me make sure that I'm understanding correctly what you said. Okay. What I hear you saying is that it's kind of cyclical in a way, like, like sometimes you have much more attraction toward each other and sometimes much less. Did I hear that correctly? Correct. Yeah. And did I understand because sometimes I don't hear quite so well. So I just need to to make sure I understand that, that because of not having taken care of yourselves physically at certain points in your marriage, that your sex life suffered—is that what you said, or just the opposite?
3: Oh no, no, not at all. <laughs> no, it's never had anything to do with our physical um, okay. fitness or health. Like my husband, and we're both a, a bit, a little bit overweight, but it's just—it's mm-hmm. never been a barrier to us in the bedroom. He has always found me very sexually attractive,
2: Good. regardless That's
3: of my, okay. you know, my body and my—and my, and I feel the same way about him.
0: Okay, and that's good. I'm I'm happy for you about that. Now, yeah. b- because I kind of got lost a little bit through that, can you fr- put the question part a little bit more succinctly, a little bit more, okay. more focus on the question?
3: I'm sorry. So what I guess I'm trying to say is you're talking about the beginning phases of falling in love and the, mm-hmm. you know, the that are first in place. So we've mm-hmm. had these places, though, in our marriage where we have had these elevated um, con- mm-hmm. connections. You know, um, we've raised two children, and we've gone through a lot of stuff that puts barriers in the way of being mm-hmm. romantic together. But then sometimes we have those places in our marriage where we are very successful and very good together.
0: Right, and, and sometimes it
3: not. Like it, so it feels like we're falling in love again sometimes. Like we yeah. go through this really romantic mm-hmm. place. And so, mm-hmm. so, the,
0: so the question itself then is what?
3: So the question is, what's the difference between that and the initial, you know, attraction? Because oh. okay. to me, it's, it's deeper, you know, it's deeper, it's larger, yeah, absolutely. it's more meaningful than it ever was in the beginning when we have those places.
0: Right, you are correct. It it does get deeper and more meaningful because the, the love that's the sustaining love, this deep that bondedness kind of thing does get stronger over the years. It's not quite Mm -hmm. the same ecstasy that people might feel in a brand new part of a relationship. But what we're trying Mm -hmm. to say a minute ago is that these pies remain important throughout life, that you never get to a point where it's not important to be emotionally attractive, for example. So when I hear you say, okay, it's like we start over again, but it's so much deeper each time. Not that you're starting over per se, but you're going back to those those mountaintops. And these mountaintops Mm -hmm. have such deep, deep roots. That's just part of life. Because things can make a difference here. For example, whatever's going on in your life at the time, if, if, either or, if either one of you or both of you are distracted by great stress, say from a work condition or situation, that can actually negative, negatively affect the way you feel about each other. Not that it makes you hate each other, I don't misunderstand, but some of your focus gets diverted over here or diverted over there. And as your children age, what's going on in their lives can actually affect it and there are other factors for example sometimes sometimes when you are more relaxed it can be deeper if there are if there's anything going on that causes any kind of a fear fear can intensify passion dramatically like wow we we realize we're drifting apart that scared us let's pull back together that fear can actually make the passion more intense so there's nothing unusual about this cyclical thing that you're describing the difference, and wow. you, you got it, and you got it exactly right. The difference is that each time you go through this cycle, if you have a good relationship, it's even deeper and more meaningful because it's not now just based on the physical appearance. It's based on all these other things. So what you're describing, I think, is what life is. That's the way it goes.
3: Okay. Okay. All right, yeah, I, you know, I guess I've always wondered, too, about that limerence phase, and I never knew limerence until a few months ago when I started following your blogs and stuff. But, you know, that that, that, that has never returned, and while that would be a really fun thing to experience again, it hasn't, and it, I don't expect it will, and that's fine, because what we have when, when we are in those places, and... Unfortunately, we're not in a great place now. Um, Sorry. But um it's a I it's just it's just interesting to, to I I wanted your perspective on how those those
0: Yeah, limerence based on the research, once limerence occurs in a relationship, and it can last anywhere from 3 months to 36 months, sometimes longer, but generally 3 months to 36 months. The, the research seems to indicate that once you have gone through limerence, then limerence for that person is not going to return. Now, I understand when you're saying, wow, that could be really exciting because limerence can have those amazing mountain peak uh, parts of it. But if, <laughs> if if you had to deal with people in limerence every day like I do, then I think that you would start saying, no, I think I'm better off without that. Because in addition to the mountaintop, extreme ecstasy that Limerence can create, which can be fun. A big portion Mm -hmm. of Limerence is fear and having to do with, uh, we may not wind up with each other and, and therefore you begin to react, overreact to your partner. Mm -hmm. So if they're happy, it's like wonderful. Life is good. If they're, if they're sad or Mm -hmm. mad, it's like, Oh oh my goodness, my whole world's falling apart. So while the intense part of Limerence would be really exciting to live through, the other part of it is actually pretty miserable. And I think I we think can. that based on my belief God did it. Some other people would say Mother Nature did it. But it seems to me to be really reasonable that limerence draws you together but doesn't keep you together because it can be so cruel and that emotional roller coaster. And that what's really designed to keep us together is that deep, deep bonding that you were describing earlier. That makes sense.
3: Yep, yeah, that makes sense yeah
0: (laughs) okay well i'm sorry that you're having a rough rough patch right now i I do hope and pray that you get past that
3: thank you thanks joe you have a good evening
0: thanks you're very welcome okay and now we're going to go to area code 304 hello 304 on the joe beam show
2: hello joe
0: yes can i get a first name please john okay john how can we help you this evening
2: um my wife and I have been married for about 18 years and uh, about 2 3 years ago I entered into a uh relationship with a coworker and um uh we were separated for those couple years and um at this point we're uh, trying to reconcile I'm back home and I'm just curious about some of the uh, tips you might give for that reconciliation process and also maybe falling back in love with each
1: other. That question has a lot of answers. <laughs> Actually, a
0: lot of answers, John. There's a lot to that.
1: Where is your relationship right now? I mean, is, is she happy with you? Or is it on good terms? Yes. Are you both wanting this? Okay.
2: Actually, we're both um rededicated our lives to God and we're uh, very much both in favor of this and, and uh, attending church regularly and, and working very hard at it.
0: Excellent. Did you go through any kind of a, kind of a formal process of forgiveness? Like, I'm so sorry I did this, you please forgive me. And she officially grants forgiveness. Did you do anything like that?
2: Um, well, actually we, uh, uh, attended a retreat this weekend and kind of did some of that this
0: weekend, yes. Yeah. Well, in the reconciliation process, that's one thing that we strongly suggest, that there be a formal, I'm so sorry, please forgive me, and a formal, I grant you forgiveness, I do forgive you. Some people go so far as to actually do something ritualistic for that. For example, some couples go outside in the front yard in a flower bed and they drive a stake into the ground and say, okay, that's our symbol, that that's. The state we put in the ground, things are changed. Other couples, even though they have not officially divorced, will go through something like renewing their wedding vows. Uh, I've actually had people that have gone through our workshop come to my house, and and we, and they, you know, first they call. That's a good thing; is they let us know they're coming first, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I renewed their vows for them. You know, officiated for them. All right, so the ritual is good. Has there been any kind of conversation between the two of you where that you? Um, did your best to understand how she feels about what you did. Have you done that at all? Uh,
2: yes, we've sat down and discussed that some, but um, the, I think that's one of the sticking points. It's oftentimes hard for her to understand what was going through my mind while the while I was in the lemur's phase.
0: Mm-hmm. I understand that. And, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But I'm talking about something that actually takes place before she understands you. It's you listening and understanding her pain where she can explain the emotions that she felt, perhaps the anger that she felt, the rejection, the you know, all those kinds of things, betrayal. A conversation like that, if you really want to build a reconciliation process and ha- have roots to it so that it lasts. It really helps the person such as your wife, you know, you were in limits with somebody else. It really helps a person like your wife to really know and, uh, and believe that you understand how I feel about what you did. Now I realize that there's some negatives to that in the sense that if she starts explaining how she felt, some of that might come across as an attack toward you. And that's kind of a a little thing that may have to happen. But the, but the, uh, the key here, is that she believes you understand how badly she was hurt, that you appreciate how badly she was hurt. And that helps her, uh, and I don't know your wife, so I'm talking in general based on the people that we see, that helps her be able to move forward because it's like he really understands the pain I felt. Now, if you can have those conversations, and it's usually not a conversation, it's usually several conversations. If you can have those conversations and then... Later, when she feels completely understood, when it's to the point where she feels like, okay, John understands. He understands what I felt, what I went through. That's when you can say, okay, can I possibly help you understand what I went through? Now, have you by any chance been to our website, marriagehelper.com?
2: Yes, I have. Uh, We um, actually purchased the online course.
0: Okay, so you're both going through that?
1: yes which one which one one did you purchase
2: um it was the you know is the black friday deal in which we got okay so you
1: got all three yes they got all three
0: Okay, okay so you got all three has she watched the videos where i describe and explain limerence by any chance yes okay and you're saying you still don't think that she fully uh, understands what you were going through? Is that what I heard you say a minute ago? Is that correct?
2: She has a hard time um, understanding how I could step out and walk away from the mm-hmm. uh, the 18 years that we had built together, and also the family, mm-hmm. the uh, relationship with my daughter, and those type things.
0: Right. I understand. I think the answer to that is what I just explained that, you know, I can explain on videos or audios all day long and you could as well. This is why, this is how, this is what. It sounds to me, and and of course I don't know your wife, but it sounds to me like some of that, as a matter of fact, I think a lot of that can be resolved by you doing a lot of listening to her. This is what I feel. This is how I felt about what you did, those kinds of things. Because she will never ever fully appreciate what you went through because she's never experienced it. At the same time, you will never ever fully appreciate what she went through because you weren't in her position. You were, you were not in her situation. You were the other person. Reconciliation takes a lot of back and forth conversation, no defensiveness, not trying to justify anything, but really, really listening to the other person along with as we said a minute ago, having some kind of a formal forgiveness policy, reconciliation really needs both of those things to happen. And then at some point you move on. Now I can't tell you exactly when that point is. What I mean is this, you can't talk about it regularly for the next year or two years because after a while that will actually start pulling you apart again. You talk about it as long as you need to, but hopefully not that long because at some point it's like, okay, we understand each other. I understand the hurt I caused you. You understand, even if you don't fully appreciate what a limit thing uh, went through, you understand that it's a condition people actually go. We also are committed to each other now, and we're moving forward. So let's, let's have fewer conversations about that and report. Now, may I ask, do you have children?
2: Yes, one six-year-old daughter.
0: Okay, so she's not really old enough to be part of this yet, then. You said um, six years old, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. Now there are some conversations you can have with the six year olds where you can listen to her and understand her as well. If it were I, and of course I don't know your daughter, she may be the most mature six year old on the planet. But if it were I, I would not be trying to explain to my six year old daughter about limerence. I I would wait until she's much older, much more mature, much more experienced in what emotions are and those kinds of things. But she's old enough for you to listen. Like, Dad, I was really hurt when you did this. And, Dad, I need to know if you're going to stay, if you're not going to leave us. Now, I, I don't know if you know much about our story. I'm assuming that you know something about my story. But I actually, back in the mid-1980s, divorced Alice. And I was divorced for three years. Now, we had two children at that point, and And the youngest was six when I left and nine when we remarried. Now, I had seen her every other weekend, but it's not like being her dad being there. When we got back together, when, when we remarried each other, uh, anytime I left home, because I was back in those days doing things for corporations, so like I'd fly to uh, Phoenix to do something for Sears or Chicago to do something for Sears, and every time I left, uh, even though she was just nine years old, she would cry inordinately, and I'd try to assure her, oh, well, planes are safe, I'm coming home. Finally, it dawned on me that what she's crying about was she's wondering whether I was going to come back or not. And so we have that conversation honey i know that you're upset every time i leave can you help me understand why and i made it safe for her i didn't push i didn't pry i just listened and finally she told me you know i'm afraid that you won't come back and then that gave me the ability to tell her i understand how you feel i don't blame you for feeling that way but let me assure you of this i love you i love your mother i am back if i leave happy i'm coming back if i leave sad I'm coming back. If I leave mad, I'm coming back. The only thing that can keep me from coming back to you is if I die in a plane crash, but those things are so safe. Now that's probably not going to happen. I am. You can kind of be coming back. And if something happened where I couldn't come back, I'll be waiting for you in heaven and I'll never leave you again. And so the conversation with your daughter, where you can listen to her pain and after she expresses it, I mean, you don't go in saying, Hey, I'm never going to leave again. You let her talk first. You let her express her emotions, and when that occurs, then you speak back to those emotions. That's also part of the reconciliation process because it's not just with your wife. It's also with your child. Would you agree or disagree to that?
2: I would agree with that.
0: Okay. So how do you think the reconciliation is going? Well, bad, or in between?
2: Uh, I think it's going very well, all things considered. Um, uh sometimes it feels like uh, maybe to me and my wife both, maybe it's not moving as quickly as we had hoped or those things. But uh, I think it's going very well. And uh, we attribute lots of that to the uh, online course as well.
0: Okay. I, I wouldn't be impatient, John. It's If it's going well, good. It, it never goes as fast as anybody wants it to. the the late comedian Joan Rivers used to say in one of her routines that Americans are the only people on the planet that will stand in front of a microwave oven and scream hurry. We want things to happen in a hurry, but if it's going the right direction, even if it's going a little slow and sometimes it'll go faster and sometimes slower. And because of the way emotions happen, sometimes it'll feel like it backs up seven steps. (laughs) Then it comes right back up again. All of that's normal. None of that's bad. It's just the way we human beings heal. It's never just linear. Emotional healing always has some three steps forward, two steps back kind of thing. And and thank you for saying the nice thing about our online courses. But it sounds to me like, John, is going the right direction. And, and uh, good for you. Just be patient, my friend. Thank you. Okay, you're very welcome, John. May God be with you. Okay. Okay, we're going to our next call. Let's see here. I'm clicking buttons and nothing's happening. All right, here we go. Area code 702. You're on the Joe Beam Show.
1: Hello. Hi. What is your first name? Hi. Uh, Marie. Marie. That's my sister's middle name.
4: How can we help you tonight? Um, I have a question. I have been uh, separated for a little over a year now. And I think I have contributed to him being in the Valley Um, He is with another woman. Um, He's in an exclusive relationship with her. And we haven't stopped communicating over that time. So I guess I'm kind of wondering, I I feel like we're definitely stuck. Like he's in full limerence with her and they're going strong and he still gets me and my attention. And I'm just kind of wondering if you could speak a little bit to the valley and what are some things I could do Um, because it's really starting to wear me down, (laughs) and I'm not sure what to do next.
0: Oh, I can certainly understand that. Um, When I talk about the valley, I talk about when a person doesn't have to do anything, like you have your lover on one side, your spouse on the other side, and and because you actually are tending to get along with both of them at the moment, you don't feel like you have to do anything. So, Kimberly, what advice do we give people in the valley?
1: That... A lot. (laughs) We have a lot of advice. So one of of the main things right now, I guess the biggest question I have for you, is when you say that he's getting you and he's getting her, what is your interaction with him? What does it look like?
4: Uh, So we talk every day either by email or text. Uh, We see each other periodically. It kind of revolves around holidays. Uh, And then – we don't talk on the phone that much. It really is just like a daily multiple time interaction through electronic communication. And it's very mm-hmm. nice. It's very funny. It's kind of joking. Um, we we share pets. We don't have children. And so uh, we also talk about them. And so it's just, like, he, it's kind of, her and I are very different, so he kind of gets whatever she offers, and he gets whatever I offer, and I think, you know, he's probably getting the best of each of us. <laughs> so, he he's still in both worlds. And part of me also feels like he's never had to live without me, and I don't know if that's probably a bad thing, I'm sure, <laughs> that he hasn't so, had to.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, maybe. So, who starts the communication on a daily basis?
4: It's probably me a majority of the time. Um, uh, but he usually finishes it every night. Like he's always the last one to text at night.
1: Okay. He always makes me sure were- say goodnight. Right.
4: <clears throat> so it's good that the co- it's good that the
1: communication is positive. Um that's definitely a good thing. However, you're you're you might be right in the sense where he is not feeling as guilty about what he's doing because you and him are on such friendly terms right now. And we definitely promote people being friendly to their spouse, even when their spouse is doing terrible things. So that's not the issue here. The issue is more so you are there really reasons for the two of you to be talking and is like you were saying, is he getting kind of getting his cake or eating it too or however that phrase goes is he getting both things at one time so what do you think would happen if you didn't text him tomorrow
4: he probably wouldn't text me at all would be my guess but i i think he might if it went for a little while like he would reach out and be like hey where are you
1: yeah
4: it's I would just,
1: I'd be in, I'd play with that idea and see, maybe try it out and see how it goes if that's something you feel comfortable with. That's what I would probably do.
0: But what yeah, I heard you I, say is, oh, wait, I'm to oh, Well, what I heard I you say, say, say is, I, this is really wearing you down.
4: Yes. Did, did it's I just screw that up or did you say that? Exhausting. No, okay, it so is. Emotionally it's a book, right? Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, there's an old adage that if you keep doing what you're doing, you keep getting what you're getting. You've heard that. And it makes sense. I mean, unless something happened that changed with him, then you're not doing anything that's going to make anything change based on what you're doing right now. Right? Right. In other words, in other words, if if they had a big falling out, I mean, something happened with him that could change the situation, but in the situation with you as it stands now, because you've been doing this for about a year, that's what you said, right? A year.
4: Yes, correct.
0: Okay. Then it's not going to change. So you have to make a decision. The decision being, okay, do I stop doing what I'm doing now and cause something to happen? Now, here's here's the downside to that. The something that happens may not be what you want to happen. So, for example, if you stop texting him, stop communicating with him, he might just go away. Like, okay, I'm, I'm in this other world now. I don't need to be involved with you. And he might just stop contact with you. So that's one of the downsides. If you decide to stop texting him, stop contacting him, something's going to happen because you've changed the dance. It's not going to be the same thing you're doing right now. Could it be, and and Kimberly said she would experiment with that, and I can see it. Okay, I'm going to stop texting him to see if he contacts me back, and if so, then we're going to change this conversation a little bit. But understand that whatever you do is going to have some kind of reaction, but it may not be the reaction that you want. The thing that's most important to me here is that you're saying it's wearing you down. It can, over time, actually destroy a person emotionally, because here's a man that you're still in love with, yet he's with another woman. You are demonstrating that love by communicating with him. I understand. And you're kind of hanging on the fact that he's communicating back to you as being possibly a sign that he still loves you. Isn't that right?
4: Yes, and he'll tell me he doesn't know what he wants and he's confused, but he is definitely in deep with her. There's no doubt about that. So I don't sometimes I feel like well you don't seem too confused cuz you're definitely way over there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh,
0: do you think he's willing and ready to divorce you to be with her?
4: Uh, we have we have a legal separation agreement. Um so i i I don't know i that's a great question. <laughs> I'm not sure okay.
0: by any chance by any chance have you listened to our podcast on the definitive guide to boundaries?
4: I did a while back, but I probably should review it <laughs> because I think it is time to have some yeah. boundaries for sure
0: and you and you can find that on iTunes by go looking for marriage radio. you can find it there. It's free. <sighs> If this was a situation where you're saying, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay, and I'm going to ride this just the way I'm doing it now a lot longer and see what happens, I'd say, go for it. But when you tell me it's destroying me emotionally, then my suggestion is that you change it. And that would be either by setting a criteria or a boundary. Very quick reminder of criterias are things you say, this has to happen. You, you must do this, or here's the consequence. A boundary is you can't do this, and if you do that, there's a consequence. Right now, if you go with Kimberly's idea, which I think is good, which is you just stop initiating the contact with him and let him initiate the contact, that's not really a boundary or a criteria. That's just changing a little bit to see what's going to happen next and see if that starts bringing him out of the valley. So if he starts perceiving she's not going to be there forever. I can't live with this woman and be with this woman and contact my wife every day and have these conversations back and forth and tell her good night because my, my wife, Maria is not going to put up with this anymore. Then something's going to change. It could well be that that can be enough of a trigger for him to start moving back towards you and some doors, opening, good things happening there. And also, as I've already said, could go just the other way where he goes, well, okay, I guess I need to move on with my life. So my question is, are you ready to take the risk?
4: And that's probably why I called was <laughs> to try to make that decision because I I do. I feel like I need to make that decision because I feel like I could do this dance forever and it is, it's just it's draining and I get angry and it's frustrating and I know he Messages me probably, you know, like in between seeing her, and so I mean he's ca- he's he's playing both sides of the fence. Honestly, mm-hmm. he's probably somewhat lying to her and somewhat lying to me, and uh, so it's just I just want him to to basically I I guess decide, but I you know I want to go about it in a way that doesn't make me the bad guy. I guess is kind of what I'm trying to decipher. So mm-hmm. that seems like the simplest calmest way is to just kind of kind of back down. I think I struggle with it because I miss him, obviously. And, mm-hmm. you know, hearing him helps me exhale because I just, you know, sometimes you feel like you can't breathe. And uh, so when I get a text, it just helps me feel better. But I need to figure out how to feel better, I think, without his text.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. You are stronger than you think you are. You, because... Just hearing you talk, you say that you're worn down, but your voice doesn't necessarily sound like you've given up. I mean, you still have a lot of life in you. You still have a lot of strength in you. And I think one of the things people get overwhelmed about when they start thinking about boundaries is they think, oh, I have to implement all of these right now. And they do. And then they burn a lot of bridges. And that's not what we're saying do. Just pick this one thing and just try that, you know, and just take it a day at a time. I'm not going to text him today. All right. Great. You did it. Awesome. Big win. Next day. Not going to text him today. And you did And over time. And it, maybe it's I'm not going to text him today. And instead, here's what I am going to go do. And focusing on those things. So it doesn't you don't have to depend on that text from him to feel wanted again. You can do something else. Maybe it's spending time with girlfriends or uh, you know, joining, I don't know if you're a religious person, but joining a small group at your church or something like that, where you will be wanted, may, just not right now, by him until he straightens up.
0: <laughs> and it will right. be scary because because you're depending on this to some degree. It's giving you an emotional boost. And, and it's going to be scary. So I hope you heard what Kimberly just said. If you decide to do it, do it one day at a time, but with a conviction that for this day, this is what I'm going to do. And understand it. We don't know exactly how he's going to react, but we hope and pray that he interacts in a way that's positive towards you.
1: But the good news is you still have pets. So that's, that's what I was saying about you don't want to burn all your bridges. You said that you still have pets. You still see each other around holidays. So even if you stop this, there's still possibly those. And if this communication is a bridge that doesn't start up again, That's not necessarily the end of the world because you still have pets, you still have reasons to communicate, and we can go back to those later and use those as avenues of staying in communication. And that gets a little more complicated at that point, but you don't want to burn every bridge of communication unless you absolutely have to.
4: Right, and I feel like I've been lucky to some degree because I can demonstrate, you know, things I've worked on with the pies, and and we do have business matters because we do own a home together and have other uh, things in our separation agreement um, with assets and so forth. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I, okay, I, I so are, like, are I can, you in our?
0: I'm sorry, are you in our 10 week course by any chance? I am. The
4: online course? I am. Yes, I am. Huh.
1: Oh, well, that just made all of this a whole lot easier.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I'm behind on watching, but yes, I am. (laughs) Okay.
1: Okay. Well, be sure to be on the coaching calls and go through that coursework and it's going to help you a lot more with a lot more detail than we can give you right now. But also, sometime this week, if it didn't go out today, you'll be getting an email about joining a small group and we're basically just going to take everyone who wants to be in a small group, split them into groups of five or six and let them take the reins of getting together and that that could be something that that gives you that support group and it'll be other women and it'll be people in your situation. I would look forward to that if I were you.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I should also
4: check my email. Like that would be good.
0: Okay. And so have you already received an invitation for that?
4: I haven't checked my email today, so I will definitely look and see if it's there.
0: But that'd be a good thing because then you have other women, like Kimberly said, who understand who right there where you are. And if you need to talk to somebody, you wind up talking to them. It's like, hey, be there for me today. I'm I'm a little down. I need my emotional support. And it's kind of important that that at least some of your emotional support comes from people who really truly understand what you're going through. And these people do.
4: Absolutely. So, what are you going to do? I I'm going to try to cut him off. I think I think it's time. And I know I've seen reconciliation stories on the Facebook group and it seems like there's an underlying theme of people saying I just stopped talking to him unless he contacted me first. So it must be tested and proven to some degree because <laughs> it seems to be a a running game. It's just it's hard. Oh, it's so hard. It's it's ridiculous how hard it is. <laughs> I,
0: know. I understand. Well, I'm sorry for your pain, and we'll do everything we can to help. Okay.
4: I appreciate it. Thank you so much.
0: Okay, God be with you. you so, Kimberly, did. as we've talked about the pies tonight and and the beginning portion of love path, how can that help renew lost love?
1: When you say renew lost love, what kind of?
0: Well, for example, situation? like in the Lee situation. Okay, here's my husband. He's still at least this guy's still having good communication with her. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we see it where people are being mean and cruel to each other. So I'm happy for her that he's not doing that. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: But in
0: either case, like a case like Marie's like, okay, he's with the other woman, but still polite and kind to me. Or as we hear from other people, uh, she is with this other man and she's just mean to me. How can the pies, why is it important to start with the pies?
1: That's the only place you can start because that's the only place you can control. Starting with how, with you, first of all, the pies aren't about necessarily getting your marriage back or getting your spouse back. That's a byproduct of what happens with the pies. It's about making you feel great about yourself again. And the confidence that comes with doing the pies makes you a more attractive person. It just, it's kind of something that follows you doing those things. And so uh, that's why I was saying to Marie, you know, you haven't burned every bridge because it's important as she works on those pies, as she becomes stronger, as she doesn't need him anymore. And he can see that then having those other ways to communicate, he'll be able to see that What some people are in this situation and there's no communication with their spouse. They, and they, they say, well, how can I show my spouse I've changed when we don't have a way to talk? And, that's when we get a little bit more creative and um, we'll get into that at a later time. But the, the basic of it is you do the the pies for you. It makes you more attractive because you deserve to be attractive. You're every single person is amazing and they deserve that. And they need to believe that about themselves and the pies helps you to do that. And then other people see it and then they're attracted to you And it starts you down.
0: That's very good. You're dead on. We'll sometimes see people write on one of our websites or talk to us in conversations, et cetera, like, well, I don't want to give my spouse the idea that I've moved on. And typically they're talking about a spouse who's moved out, moved away, not even with them anymore. I don't want to give my spouse the, the impression that I've moved on because they seem to think that if I give that impression to my spouse, then it's all over. My spouse will say, great, good. I'm glad you're gone, which is a possibility. But more often, when you stop doing these things, you actually get more attention because it's like something's changed.
1: And just think about when you were dating or other knowing other people are dating or whatever. When people start drawing away from a relationship, even in limerence, when people start drawing away, it is human reaction to freak out, to say, what wait, whoa, what? What's happening there? I'm gonna see what's going on because I don't know if I want to lose this yet. And like Joe said, that doesn't always happen. But I think human reaction is wanting to keep your property. <laughs> wanting no, to sure. Keep
0: what's yours. I agree. And and people who are taking care of themselves physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, rather than whining and begging and pleading and manipulating, they're much more attractive to everybody, including the spouse that they want to come back when they're doing the pies and nobody's attractive when they're whining and pleading and begging and crying and manipulating. That's not attractive to anybody on the planet. So one last thing here, Kimberly, the power of confidence is really the power of believing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What do you think about that?
1: What do you mean? What do I think? I agree with it. What do you,
0: do? <laughs> how else can I go? Why with is it? it so powerful?
1: When you believe something when you truly, fully believe it, if so, for let's say for instance, in this case, it's I believe I am tra- an attractive person and I deserve a great marriage, and I truly believe that it changes the way I think about myself. It changes what I allow to happen to me, because I believe I'm awesome. I believe I deserve a great relationship, so those boundaries come more naturally if my husband talks to me in a degrading way, I say, whoa, you know, watch that tone. I'm more likely to step up for myself because I believe that I should. Or if my husband's gone and out with another woman, it's more, I mean, well, while that's terrifying and horrible, I'm not pining over that. I'm saying, you know what, I'm still standing for my marriage, but there's a ton of other things out there I can be doing right now with my time. And I'm going to do those because I'm amazing and I deserve a good relationship.
0: And, and when Kimberly uses words like awesome and amazing, we're not talking about narcissism. We're talking about a good, healthy self-love, mm-hmm. a good, a good, healthy self-identification, self-image. And when people see themselves as deserving of, now I know you're not perfect and I'm sure that anybody can look back and go, wow, if I hadn't done that, if I hadn't done this, a lot of second guessing when your spouse leaves you or is mad at you or whatever else. but. None of us is perfect. None of us is perfect. But to look back and go, but I am a good human being and I, I deserve, as Kimberly was saying, a happy marriage. And I am a confident person. I am an attractive person, etc. We're not trying to get you to lie to yourself or become some egotistical maniac. Those are all wrong. But there's great power in the confidence that comes from believing. Now, of course, I'm a Christian, so I say I start with my belief in God. But even God told me that I love others as I love myself. So God wants me to have a a healthy self-image of myself. And that confidence, that confidence, Kimberly, you're right. It changes you in ways that you don't even notice. Mm -hmm. But other people do. Mm -hmm. And you become much more attractive. Now, will that necessarily bring the other person back? Not necessarily. But if anything works, this will. If anything works, this will. What else would you like to say?
1: In regards to that as well, another thing is perhaps you did do something in your marriage that could have facilitated to whatever's happening now, whatever crisis is going on. And we were kind of talking about this in a different way last night, but one of the things I think people do is they punish themselves. They say, I, but I was the one who I did this, I did that, I don't deserve to be happy or to move on or to not move on in the sense of move on with my marriage, but move on in the sense of not focusing on what's going on and focusing on positive. And they punish themselves, whether they realize it or not, they wallow, they feel bad about it. They don't go out and do happy things like taking up a new hobby or joining a new gym or whatever, because it's woe is me. I don't deserve this. I need to sit and wallow. And that is not good. So Don't do that.
0: (laughs) Not good. And if you're interested in that 10-week course we've mentioned, you go to marriagehelper.com, 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 slash, all one long word, save my marriage. And that's where you can find out about that 10-week course that we've been referring to through here. It's a a video course, an online course. There's coaching calls every week, small groups that are offered to you. Mm -hmm. These small groups are done electronically. You can actually, Mm -hmm. you can have somebody from Australia in your group, those kinds of things. So Mm that's marriagehelper.com slash save my marriage, all one long word. Kimberly, Mm -hmm. as we wrap the program up, what would you like to say?
1: I think all of you are awesome.
0: (laughs) Very good. We will, Lord willing, be back next evening, Tuesday evening, that is, at 9 p.m. Central time. And if you have particular topics that you wish us to address as we begin the program, you can send an email to askjoe, ask Joe at marriagehelper, that's marriagehelper, marriagehelper.com, and say, can you do a program about this or a program about that? Now, we do occasionally transfer answer emails that people send to that, but typically, because of our college and our topics, we can't always get to the emails. It's a lot more effective if you just say, here's the topic, can you talk about this, and give us a small paragraph explaining what you mean by that. And we'll put that on the agenda and talk about it one Tuesday evening. Now, we hope and pray that things go well for you and that you can have a love that lasts a lifetime. This is the end tonight of the Joe Beam Show. Have a good evening.